Hey everyone, you're listening to the 10-7 podcast, where we get together every fortnight, and sometimes more often, to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My guest today is Dan Antonson, who is a marketing technology consultant for Blueprint Metrics. Dan's been instrumental in helping me understand Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. And today we're going to spend some time talking about a project we are working on together for one of our clients. In a previous episode of the podcast, we talked to Megan Glover from Solheim Companies, the environmentally friendly real estate developer in Minneapolis. You should give that one a listen when you get a chance to better understand them as a client. Today, we're going to dig a little deeper into the technology that we're implementing for them from a marketing perspective. Hey, Dan, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to have you. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about Google Tag Manager. And I am as well. <laughs> okay. I want to start like at the ground level. What is Google Analytics and how is it different or the same as Google Tag Manager? That is a great question um, and a great place to start. So, uh, so Google Analytics is an extremely popular web analytics tool. Uh, it's free. It's offered by Google. And you can find Google Analytics on just about 95% of websites that are out there. And Ooh, that's a lot. The market penetration for Google Analytics is incredible. Uh, Google Analytics uh, originally came out on the market in 2006, and uh, it might have been 2005 or 2006, but it actually came out from a company called Urchin. It was one of Google's early acquisitions was this young web analytics company called Urchin. And, uh, and they acquired it and transformed it into Google Analytics. And it's kind of amazing because a lot of the same backbone, a lot of the same concepts, like the idea of you know, a website visit and, and, and hits and events and page views and traffic sources um, is all kind of still there. Um, so actually, it's uh, in a fun fact for those of you who are familiar with Google Analytics, there's this thing called a UTM. It's what you'll see in a in the uh, in the website URL. So if you click on an ad, you'll see UTM source, UTM medium, UTM campaign, um, and UTM actually stands for Urchin Tracking Module. It's one of the remnants from from Urchin. So it's been a long time. Oh. The more you know, Yvonne. The more you know. <laughs> yes, the more you know. <laughs> I knew I knew that UA in the analytics number in the source code. That's Urchin Analytics. But I didn't know about UTM. Yep, that's exactly right. So it's kind of funny to see some of the leftover like remnants, especially as you kind of get into the the guts of of Google Analytics. But I mean, it, don't get me wrong; it's certainly changed a lot since it's come out. Um, but a lot of the same rem like the same kind of uh, inherent data model. Again, the the idea of a visitor and a session like that that is all urchin. Wow. Yeah. So you were talking about analytics and how um, how it's you were describing the percentage of the market, and then we were going to talk about what Google Tag Manager was. And I think I interrupted you, so I apologize for that. Yeah, no worries. Now, Google Tag Manager is a, is a much newer product than, than Google Analytics. 
but think of Google Tag Manager. You know, obviously, tag management is in the in the title of the tool of the product, and that's really what it is. It is a tag management system, and so Google Analytics. You know, if you were to install it, uh, just by coding it, you know, you would get a snippet or a website tag, and then you would drop it into the website. Versus Google Tag Manager, it's really a container of those tags. It's a management system. So think of it almost as like a content management system for your marketing technology infrastructure. And another way you can think about Google Tag Manager, um, think of it as the as a, as more of a router. So Google Analytics is going to be a collection system. Tag Manager actually doesn't technically collect any data, right? It doesn't store. It's not a storage mechanism. Instead, what tag management systems do is they route the data to the respective products. So Tag Manager can send data to Google Analytics. You can also install advertising pixels and trackers through Google Tag Manager. But again, Google Tag Manager isn't storing any of that information. It is just passing it to the endpoint, like a Google Analytics type product. Um, Google Tag Manager is 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 really a, a, a game changer. Um, you know, for you know, back when I got started in digital analytics uh, ten years ago, now um, I was m- so much more of a developer than I was. Uh, a marketer. I spent so much time uh, coding into the actual websites, the the buttons I wanted to track, the things that I wanted to to measure. And and Tag Manager has really kind of flipped that whole script on its head and really allowed marketers to focus on you know making use of the data instead of you know collecting that data or spending all the time, effort, and energy collecting that data. So it's really transformed the the way I work. I'm I, I'm just continually impressed by how how long uh how how far along google tag manager has come it's really quite an impressive product but hopefully that answers your question yvonne i think it does so i am now going to think about it as um something that allows me to enable analytics and control the data that gets acquired on a website from the Google interface, as opposed to doing it directly on the site and requiring some sort of developer smarts to do that. That's exactly right. I love that you called it a content management system almost. Like that that makes it makes a great deal of sense. So we're doing, as I mentioned in the intro, this project with Solheim companies. Um, at a very basic level, what are we trying to solve for Solheim? So Solom's uh, an interesting uh, client just because they have a lot of different website properties. So if you're familiar with them, you know they essentially have a website for every single property. So it'll be juliampls.com, uh, uh, and then there'll be tulampls.com. And, and in that environment, uh, analytics and tracking and really marketing technology becomes uh, a little bit challenging to scale. You, you, have to, you have to go into each individual site and, and add a, a snippet for Google Analytics. You have to set up you know, unique accounts for each one of these properties. And, and the specific problem that we're, we're solving with Solom is uh, we are setting up a single Google Tag Manager container or a single bootstrap, if you will, that will literally run on every single uh, site, but also enable 
the right domain to be routed to the right place. The, the So that way, instead of going into each site one-off, we have one central kind of, again, content management system for marketing technology that we can, we can interact and track all of these sites without having to kind of re-engineer for every single site. So it's a really unique kind of situation. Most of the projects that I, I work on, you know, it's a single website or there might be a subdomain or two, but it's it's one experience. And instead with um, with Solem, we're, we're literally tracking you know, 12 different sites or we're going to be tracking 12 different sites with one container. And that makes it really unique. Just so that um, I can turn it around and understand the from a business perspective, Solheim has buildings that uh, all are created and developed um, consistent with their own values as a company. And so what they see from a tenant perspective is that once a tenant um, leases in one of their buildings, they actually sometimes find tenants that will release in a different building because it's more convenient in a different part of town, but they will specifically seek out the other building because they've had such a good, such a good experience with the building that they first chose. But from a technology perspective, we actually don't have any way to know that that's happened uh, on the website. And, and further to that, even with tenants that haven't even leased with Solhem yet, we have no idea if, someone is visiting one of their properties in one of their buildings and is then also comparing them to other buildings of their own that they still own. And so we don't have that cross uh, domain information. And so th- I, I think what you said was the client will now have that or potentially has the ability to then um, see which people visit more than just one building and more than just one website. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Now, and to get into a kind of the specifics of why and how that's that's challenging. So, Google Analytics is a first-party cookie tracking system. And what that means is is that the when Google Analytics initializes on juliampls.com, it it stores the session data or the client ID. The essentially it's your your kind of a not think of it as an anonymous visitor ID. It stores that at at the first party level, and so the site that creates the cookie is the site that uh, the cookie is stored on, and that's what's known as a first party cookie. Now, third party cookies are the opposite, where a website will create a tracker on a website that it doesn't own. And third-party cookies are starting to go away. More and more browsers, uh, for instance, uh, with Safari and Firefox, uh, they've essentially said, we are not allowing third-party cookies anymore. So what makes um, Solhem so challenging is that you know every site that has Google Analytics running on it, juliampls.com is creating first-party cookies for itself. tulampls.com is creating cookies for itself. Well, what we're doing with Google Tag Manager is we're setting up Tag Manager to, to, to create links between those sites. So when somebody, for instance, clicks from you know, Julia MPLS to the, the Solhem property site, you know, back to you know, uh, Tula MPLL, MPLS.com, 
that information gets passed in in query parameters. So we're, we're decorating those links between the sites. And then on the back end within Google Analytics, we're stitching all of that information together. So we get one kind of consistent view of that, uh, that uh, potential applicant across all of those different sites. And that's really exciting, obviously, because the benefit is, is that we can start to see you know, what are the properties that are being compared? What what features do they have in common? How do we create a better product or a better experience for the p- potential applicant? And that's just visibility that Solham has just never had before. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of um, all the work that you're doing right now at some point in the next uh, few months when we actually start collecting data and when we can start turning the data into knowledge. Absolutely. So where did you start? I mean, we have a number of sites, as you've mentioned, and my understanding is that we had different Google Analytics accounts, one on each of the properties, because that just made sense to do at the time. Um, And now you're trying to weave all of these um, accounts together, put all of this information together. How do you start even thinking about how to solve this? So my uh, so what's really nice about <laughs> yeah it's a great question uh, my like any normal developer I started by you know hitting my head on the desk a few times you know what did I do why did I sign up for this <laughs> and then I found myself on Stack Overflow and realized that nobody had tried this before and then I do it even you know hit my head even more no I'm kidding but. So, so for me, I've, like I said earlier, you know, tag managers are a relatively new, it's a newer product. Um, so unfortunately there just aren't, there's resources or uh, online. I mean, you can find people who've like pieced things together, but for me, what I've always found helpful is when in doubt, just, just try something. And so for me, what was really mm-hmm. nice about Solhelm or Solhelm was that, there was no Google Tag Manager infrastructure. So I didn't have to necessarily kind of design with something else in mind. I could really start with a with a blank slate. And since Google Tag Manager, like Google Analytics, is a free product, you know, I was able to spin up kind of just a single sample container that I, I could just build for myself. And what makes Google Tag Manager really slick you know, for those who are listening who haven't uh, checked out the, the tool yet is, you know, like a content management system, you create a tag or a series of tags, you create the rules in which you want the tags to run, uh, you create custom JavaScript to apply linkers, but you can do that all without actually pushing to a, a production environment per se. You can run it in what mm-hmm. they refer to as just a pre- preview mode where just in my own local browser, I can hit preview and it'll put a little window in the bottom of the actual website itself. And I can go through and kind of test and and tinker and, and, and make sure things work. And, and because you have the ability to kind of do that, that rapid prototyping, that's, that's really where I started was just, Hey, here's a, a single container. I'm going to try to run this across, you know, two sites and let's see if I can make a rule that works across anything. And um, and just within kind of, you know, a, really a, a weekend, I, w- I had this kind of makeshift prototype ready to go. And then from there, I cloned things and brought in stuff that I knew would work and, you know, 
from that shell uh, is really where the foundation came from. But what made, again, Solheim really advantageous or just a lot easier is, is you don't have this like technical debt that you have to kind of account for. I was, again, really able to start with a, with a blank slate, which those are my favorite types of projects. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Okay, so... Now we know where you started. Now we know what we're trying to do on these many different property sites. Um, and add to the mix now the the tool, the software that Solheim uses to actually manage their business and to manage their tenants and their leases. Um, a tool that is made by a company called Entrada, mm-hmm. and they effectively use it as a CRM. And now... They have Google Analytics and Tag Manager capability as well. So it seemed a natural fit for us to track and to um, look to see what happens when visitors are outside of the Solheim property and on, say, one of the property portals that Entrada makes. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how, how you're managing to accomplish that transfer and, and what, the, what the benefit of doing that is. Sure. So um, we'll use um, the JuliaMPLS.com as an example. So you know that website is is a Drupal site, and uh, when a pr- uh, prospective applicant uh, is 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 wants to go one step further and actually apply for a lease or get more information, uh, there's an apply now button. And when you click on that, it brings you away from the main site from juliampls.com into uh, what they what they refer to as a prospect portal. So it'll be juliampls.prospectportal.com. And what makes that, again, challenging back to this whole first party, third party cookie thing is that prospectportal.com can't read the cookies that are on juliampls.com so there's no way for me to stitch those things together unless you use that uh, what i referred to earlier is is a link decorator where you're actually using a query parameter to pass information so what we're what we're doing is is with that same same google tag manager container we're dynamically appending those query parameters so when a user clicks on prospect portal it 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 strings that information it transforms the url that they're actually going to and brings them to the prospect portal page and now in Trata, uh, we were able to work with them to to they were able to let us up install Google Tag Manager on that on the the prospect portal, and and what that allows us to do again is to stitch the user behavior or that journey from one site to the other. So now for the first time, uh, Solham actually has the ability to see okay of the people who look at the floor plans, you know, what percentage of them even make it to the apply page? And when they get to the apply page, you know, how many of those visitors are actually taking action? Like, is there parts of that experience that, you know, people are getting stuck on or how just, how can we make that experience better? And so that's visibility that we didn't have before. And that's been a big part of this project again, is just stitching all of these different sites together, but in uh, again, designing so it'll work across all of Solheim's uh, sites and and digital experiences. So that sounds like one of the use cases, actually getting marketing data and analytics information from their property uh, websites and into their CRM. Mm 
Um, what are the other u- use cases? Sure. So, so uh, the first use case, of course, is just tying experience together. But now that we're able to pass, you know, information from you know JuliaMPLS.com into the prospect portal, uh, what we have the ability to do now is 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 pass information directly into the CRM itself. So of course Google Analytics is going to measure, you know, people moving between the sites, but that information is just within Google Analytics. So one of the first things that we're we're working on is how do we pass source information, keyword data, campaign information, landing page information, how do we make that that jump from Google Analytics into the CRM. And that's been really uh, just in my own experience within you know, digital analytics and, and marketing. Don't get me wrong. I, I certainly value the information that comes out of, out, out of Google Analytics. But the reality is, is that Sol, Solheim is running their business out of Entrada. They're not nor am I, would I argue that it should be Google Analytics. So a big part of this project has also been integration. How do we, again, pass that information back and forth? Because we want to help Solhem align their marketing data to their actual outcomes. So did this person actually apply? Like where do actual leases come from? You know, where do maybe the applicants who aren't the right fit, you know, how do we optimize? How do we invest less on the mar- invest less on the marketing front end to enable better outcomes downstream? So there's kind of two pieces to the CRM. It's how do we make Google Analytics work better, but also how do we bring that information to the CRM. That's the number one use case we're thinking about, but there's certainly other opportunities as well. And we had talked about lookalike audiences as well. Can you describe what a lookalike audience is and how, how that might be useful? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, Solhem already knows who their their customer, who their leases, what they look like, right? They already have information um, about them. They know who they are. And so one of the things that we're also looking to enable for them is to allow them to take their, their first party data, the names, emails, uh, the information they already have, and, and push them back into the platforms. So we're saying, hey, Facebook, here's what our, our leases look like. Here are the people who are already renting from us. Help us find more people that look like this. And that's what a lookalike audience is. But we can do that from Solheim's own data, but we can also do that from the behavioral data um, on the website as well. So, for instance, you know, if Google were, were able to feed in an audience into the uh, Google platform where we say, hey, here are all of the people who are active within our Entrada application. These are the people that are thinking about leasing, are leasing, or have already leased. Um, And we can take that information and we can actually feed that back into Google. And we can say, hey, again, here are the folks that are doing the things we want. Help us find more of these. And then the Google machine learning AI kicks in and their platform helps us find more of those people. So as part of this build, we're looking to really enable that help Solhem find more audiences that kind of fit their criteria to, again, help kind of grow their organization. Sounds like a big black box when you say, 
hey, Google, help us find more audiences like this one. Do we know anything about how it works, or is it actually still a black box like I imagine it to be? Uh, yeah, the, there absolutely is a black box. It's right in the lobby of Google when you walk in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so Google and Facebook, it's it's a it's a really interesting time for for privacy. Now, certainly, I you know as, as a practitioner and you know somebody who's also on the web, I certainly want to enable and to be a good internet citizen, and 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 privacy is really important. Now, with Google and Facebook, who have both have, you know, especially over the last few years, have really come under fire for some of their, their practices. But the stance that, at least in the current state, is that Google and Facebook are saying, we, we will not give you the actual information about the people using their platforms. So there is no way that I can go to Facebook and say, hey, you know, I want, you know, here are my customers please give me a list of names, phone numbers, emails, and addresses of the people that you think are lookalike to my audience. Um, Facebook doesn't do that, and neither will Google. You know, however, when we say lookalike and, and feeding it back to Google, uh, to Google, what we're saying is, hey, please take our data, join it with the data that you already have, and help us connect those connect with those people through the advertising platforms but at no point do we ever get to see who those individuals are those individuals still of course can one opt out of advertising completely um, or or two you know not take action now, no advertisement is necessarily going to force you to sign a lease or buy a product um, you know but what we are saying is hey google hey facebook you know, here are the signals that we have, please help us find them. But knowing exactly how they're doing that, like what are what is Google targeting specifically, that's the part that certainly does become a little black box. We have no idea how they're doing that or exactly what is in that audience. It feels like everyone's doing this. Is is that an accurate statement? Are are we or is this special somehow? It it's a good question. I it's hard to say. Well, put it put it this way, you know, like I said earlier, ninety five percent of websites have Google Analytics applied, and and if the website owners wanted who were managing Google Analytics wanted to create these type of audiences to remarket to to create lookalikes from, you certainly could do that. Uh, you know, but are all of those websites doing that? The answer is obviously no, right? You have to go through the time to set those up and to be smart about it. And then at the end of the day, those website owners, they have to pay for it. Now, so is it everywhere? Well, just considering how, you know, how, where Google Analytics is and, you know, every time you see a like button on, you know, the Facebook share button or like button, you know, that's hooked into the Facebook platform. So yes, it certainly is everywhere, but you also have a lot of control as a consumer in terms of like what you're going to opt in or opt out of, you know, by using Facebook, you're obviously opting into sharing your information with Facebook and trust 
trusting that they're going to, you know, be responsible for that, which is certainly up for debate, you know, but you can certainly opt out of those advertisements in the Facebook settings. You could certainly do that within the Google settings where things get a little bit more fuzzy in terms of what you can and can't control is when you start looking at the, like the experience of the world, you know, experience sells household information to advertisers, both digitally and on TV. Um, if anybody knows of a way to fully opt out of that, let me know. Um, you know, so, so, but it's everywhere. I mean, it's tied to credit. It's tied to these databases. It's all there, but in terms of how it's being operationalized, that's really up to the owners of the products or the people spending money on the platforms. And I think the the thing that we're trying to do for Solheim is to allow Solheim to learn more about its own consumers and its own uh, demographics so that it can become a better company, so that it can offer better services and build buildings that are even better than the ones they have right now. And also so that they can grow. And I think this gives them an advantage. And um, yeah, I... I'm always trying to um, figure out where that that very fine line is of um, doing something that is privacy enhancing, not privacy busting, and doing something that is beneficial to the consumer, but also to uh, the clients that we serve. Sure, there certainly is a there certainly is a fine line. I I feel at least in my own experience with, with analytics, like most of the organizations that, that I've worked with exactly like you said, you know, they, they want to grow, they want to do it responsibly. And I think at the end of the day, the way I look at it is, you know, Solheim wants to invest in what works and what doesn't. And when a company is spending money on advertising and marketing and it's not working, those costs of doing that has to go somewhere, right? Like in that, usually gets passed to the consumer. So if we can make um, Solhem smarter and make their investments work better for them so they get a better return, you know, the hope, the vision would be that they would, you know, turn that into making their their products, their experiences, their buildings better in alignment to their mission. Now, certainly on the, on the flip side, you know, I certainly understand the argument that, you know, while it's just driving profits and they could certainly, you know, put that right back in their pockets and the consumer gets nothing, but Again, you know, if if it wasn't working, you know, the alternative would be it certainly goes, it comes out of the consumer's, uh, the consumer's pocket. And I think there's certainly a line for, you know, the other fine line is just, you know, what's creepy online. You always hear that, like oh, the creepy advertisements that that follow you around. Um, and I, I certainly, I certainly recognize that. But I think, again, the goal for Solheim is just to find to find their audience and just to be efficient about it and it only feels creepy when it's not the right audience so if we can make that you know more targeted and speak to the right person like Sol Solheim doesn't want to put an advertisement in front of you that isn't going to resonate with you so anything we can do to help them with that I'm all for so you said that um Google Analytics had 95 percent of the market so what's the other 5%? Is there a competitor? Is there something that competes with analytics and with Tag Manager? Or is Tag Manager basically the thing? 
there's that's a good question. So the other five percent is a is is obviously a mixed bag, and I would say the most common kind of scenario we see is just nothing. Like there is no oh, Google, there is no Google Analytics, there is no Google Tag Manager. If I was uh, had to make a bet on what the five percent is, that's what it is. But that being said. Uh, the competitors out in in the digital analytics and tag management space, there's there's absolutely competitors, and in the analytics category, mm. the products that you see are going to be things like Adobe Analytics, uh, Mixpanel. Um, you might be able to put a product called Segment IO in that category, which kind of helps you aggregate. They all kind of have their own little kind of spin on it. Yeah. Um, but what's really ironic about those competitors is that even when I r- work with a client who's using Adobe, there's a good probability that they're using Google Analytics as well, right? There's some, like, no, it's free. Why, why wouldn't you use it? And on top of that, Google Analytics allows a lot for a lot more like Google style integrations than you get with an Adobe Analytics. And those products certainly come with a pretty steep, steep cost. Um, Adobe Analytics is I mean, you're not going to get into that product, uh, you know, f- uh, with less than probably twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year Wee. type of investment. Yeah, so those, the tools are not cheap. Mixed panels is much cheaper, but it's a very different style of digital analytics. So I, I would say that like yeah, Google Analytics is certainly in a category kind of by itself. Um, and again, even if you're using one product, you're probably using that anyways. Yeah. That's it. That's interesting. That's something that I've seen as well with some of our clients who use Site Improve. The, Site Improve has their own analytics product, and clients that use Site Improve also put Google Analytics on their sites as well. In addition to that's Site right. Improve Analytics, which uh, just because it's free, and I often wonder how um, what the parity is like, and if they get the the same or similar data between the two of them. I'm not super familiar with the site improves analytics specifically, but just knowing what I've seen with other product comparisons, what's really important to remember about, about Google analytics is that it is a very marketing centric product. Like it connects to Google ads and it is very much about measuring source. Like where do people come from and tying that to a conversion, right? So the whole data model behind Google analytics is it serves marketing. Now, you could use it for tracking other things, but it's designed for marketing. Now, products like a site improve more than likely, they're going to focus on things that are more focused on usability, um, error tracking, like user satisfaction and like user experience and like kind of like like the more of a journey mapping kind of experience or with, with a very specific use cases. I mean, there's analytics products that are designed 100% around tracking errors that happen, like server errors, JavaScript errors, like any error you can think of. That is their sole purpose. Now, Google Analytics can do some of those things, but not to the same extent. So, you know, a lot of the products that are out there, you know, the mixed panels, the Adobe Analytics, like they all have their kind of varying flavors, but it's really kind of more about the use case than it is like, do they overlap or not? Um, that, that's how I've always thought about it. Well, it's, it's definitely been fascinating talking to you about um, Google Tag Manager and 
what we're trying to achieve and how we're achieving it with Solheim. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the reports and learning something new about the sites uh, come the beginning of 2020. Perfect. Thanks, Ivan. This was super fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. It's been really a pleasure as always. Dan Antonson is a marketing technology consultant for Blueprint Metrics, and you can find him online at Dan Antonson, and that's on Twitter. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.